0: Section thirteen of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Read by Piotr Natter. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. An authentic record of remarkable cases by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombo. Mysterious Disappearances Part three the Gay Deceiver, Boswell, alias Howey, In the course of the year 1868, General D. K. Boswell and wife made their appearance in Muncie, Indiana. The general was a little past the middle age, of affable manners and engaging address. His statement in regard to himself was that he had been appointed a brigadier-general in the Union service during the war, had amassed considerable property in the course of a long business life, and had come to Muncie to end his days in peace. He reported a moderate amount of property for taxation, was popularly believed to be worth about fifty thousand dollars, and was considered a valuable addition to the grand list of the town. He devoted considerable time to the order of masonry, in which he had taken the higher degrees, was very fond of society, and soon became generally popular with the citizens of Muncie. His wife, considerably his junior, kept her house in good order attended to her own affairs and made as favourable an impression in her way as her husband did in his the munsey people seem to have accepted the boswells without credentials and without a thought of asking for them if they had inquired in the right place they might have obtained information embodied in the following letter which was written to a party who subsequently became interested in bringing general boswell to justice Sir if the d k boswell who swindled you is the daniel k boswell who in eighteen forty five eighteen forty six left his wife and children in galena illinois went to hannibal or palmyra missouri ran away with old man ross's daughter said he was married on a steamboat took a free negress from indiana to lexington kentucky sold her after she had a child by him to a mr for a slave was indicted but escaped about 1848 to memphis tennessee set up a picture gallery made obscene pictures perjured himself in a deposition to blackmail a citizen there went to holy springs mississippi in september 1848 stopped some time at a hotel where he said he was robbed by a servant of eight hundred dollars had the poor slave whipped nearly to death before it was discovered that he had had no money and had not been robbed got into many difficulties there, shot immense mules, committed perjury, ran away to West Tennessee, got religion, joined the Campbellite church, again got into difficulties and disappeared, but whither this biographer knows not, if this is your man, he is the most unmitigated scoundrel unhung. But information was not solicited, and was not volunteered. So that in 1870 or thereabouts, when the Franklin Life Insurance Company of Indianapolis, wished to organize a local board in Muncie. Boswell was recommended by men of long residence and of high position in the town as the man above all others who should be enlisted in the matter. He was approached, the plan was talked up, and he finally consented to insure his life for ten thousand dollars and to become president of the local branch. His supposed influence in the town was so great that, for the sake of getting it, the company did not demand a cash payment of any part of the premium of his policy but accepted his note for six months for the entire amount this note was renewed at maturity for another six months meanwhile as a sort of pastime boswell had gone into the sale of a patent fruit-dryer and was supposed to be making considerable money on the fifteenth of september eighteen seventy one boswell and his wife started for st louis he having business there, as was supposed. At the Montclair railway passenger station, Boswell purchased two insurance tickets issued by the Railway Passengers Assurance Company of Hartford, Connecticut, the tickets being for the principal sum of $3,000 each, and good for 10 days. His second year's premium in the Franklin life would fall due before his return, and also his note for the first year's premium. Being reminded of this, he gave a note to renew the one following due, not taking up the renewed note, however, as it was not quite due, and remarked that he would attend to the second year's premium on his return. He went to St. Louis, and on the 22nd of September he, with his wife, took passage on the steamer St. Luke, for some point up the Missouri River. Boswell and wife went on board the steamer some two or three hours before she started. The general spoke of not feeling well received a friend or two in his stateroom but no one remembers seeing him on board after the boat left the levee his wife went to the supper-table alone and while at tea remarked to the clerk of the boat that her husband was too sick to come to the table the clerk offered to send a cup of tea and something to eat to his stateroom but she said no he did not then want anything at all their baggage consisted of one small trunk which was taken to their stateroom About midnight, some little time after entering the Missouri River, Mrs. Boswell gave the alarm that her husband had fallen overboard. The boat was at once stopped, a yawl lowered, and a fruitless search made for the body. Mrs. Boswell's description of the accident, as set forth in her subsequent affidavit in support of her claim under the insurance policies, is as follows. At about eleven-thirty p.m. that night, Mr. Boswell complained of being unwell and needing fresh air. We went from our stateroom to the guard of the boat. Mr. Boswell seated himself on the rail with one arm around the stanchion and wished for some water. I could find no servant to fetch it, and started for it myself to the stateroom which we had just left. As I neared the stateroom door, I cast my eyes back and saw Mr. Boswell falling backward overboard. I sprang to catch him, but could not. I saw him reach the water. There was a splash, and all was over. No cry was made. I immediately gave the alarm, but it was some time before the steamer could be put about. Nothing was ever seen or heard of the body, though diligent search was made, and a reward of one hundred dollars was offered for it. He had on his person, in a pocket in his drawers, about two thousand dollars, which he had received at St. Louis search for the body being abandoned the boat proceeded on its way up the river and the disconsolate widow went on shore at the next landing where she waited for the down-boat and then returned to st louis due notice of loss under their respective policies was given to the insurance companies the agent of one company closing his letter as follows i would state that general boswell was one of our best citizens of the best habits respected and esteemed by all who knew him. An investigation followed, which led the accident insurance company to believe the whole thing a fraud. At the time of these occurrences, the Muncie local board of the Franklin Life Company expressed their conviction that Boswell was drowned as alleged, but could not see that their policy upon his life was in force at the date of drowning, the policy having lapsed the day previous the story of the general's accident was reasonable enough, and Mrs. Boswell's narration of it was given in an apparently sincere and earnest manner, with deep feeling, with tears, and in a natural tone of bereavement, which enlisted in her behalf the heartfelt sympathies of the good people of Muncie. There was unanimity of sentiment in that community, in their high estimate of the departed general, and in their sorrow for the stricken widow. But to the parties investigating the facts, there were circumstances which seemed to cast a doubt upon the genuineness of the affair. Disappearances by drowning come to the frequent notice of accident insurance executive officers, and there are certain earmarks which seem to distinguish fraudulent cases from those which are genuine. These were observed in this case. The job, though well done, was overdone, and Mrs. Boswell was able to describe very accurately the precise spot where the general fell over the rail, and the very stanchion around which he had thrown his arm. A visit to this place on the steamer determined the utter impossibility of a person falling into the water from that point. He must have jumped overboard to have got into the water from that place, and a large guy rope would have prevented that, unless he ducked his head for the purpose of avoiding it. Again it was evident that he would have struck the lower deck or its rail, or a brace which at that point projects from the under side of the upper deck this would have attracted the notice of the labourers who were at that time on duty there nothing of the kind was observed there was no eye-witness to the alleged accident save mrs boswell and no one could be found who saw boswell on board after the steamer started on the other hand there apparently was no motive for perpetrating a fraud especially by a gentleman universally represented as a straightforward businessman honest temperate and widely respected it was impossible to prove a negative and the adjuster of the accident company having on his hands at that time other and complicated cases of mysterious disappearance concluded to offer to buy a piece with mrs boswell provided it could be done for a sum not greater than would be expected by the company in an effort to find the missing man a meeting was therefore arranged and the widow through an administrator appointed for the purpose discharged the company upon the payment of a sum agreed upon the community generally regarded this action of the company as unjust in the extreme and the company's agent in munsey as an expression of sympathy toward the bereaved took the widow to his house and kept her for several weeks as the guest of his wife and family the company's adjuster believed that through this settlement boswell would be thrown off his guard as there would be less necessity for his carefully hiding himself and an arrangement was made with a local attorney to promptly advise the company concerning any future developments which in the opinion of the adjuster were sure to follow in due time the widow instituted her action against the franklin life company upon the one thousand dollar policy above mentioned the cause proceeded to its first trial and resulted in disagreement of the jury the company's defence was upon the ground that the policy had lapsed at the time of boswell's death a second trial resulted in a verdict for the plaintiff the jury finding that the third note given by boswell was in payment of his second year's premium while notoriously as a matter of fact it was a renewal of the note for the first year's premium the verdict in her favour was for over eleven thousand dollars this verdict was set aside and a new trial granted by the circuit board three years had now lapsed since boswell's death and the above-mentioned cause was pending in the circuit court which was sitting in may 1874, when an unexpected denouement started the citizens of that vicinity a few days prior to the time when this cause would have been reached upon the calendar An executive officer of the Franklin Life, who had known Boswell personally, was notified that Boswell was alive and might be found in Galesburg, Illinois, under the name and title of Judge I. S. Howey. He immediately went to Galesburg, and in a very short time after his arrival there, saw Judge Howey playing croquet with some ladies and gentlemen, and recognized him at once as the long-lost General Boswell. Not making himself known, however, he telegraphed to Muncie for another gentleman, who was well acquainted with Boswell, to come on at once to Galesburg. The gentleman did as requested, and the two called on Judge Howey, fully identified him, and compelled him to admit that he was Boswell. His story was that the fall into the river, and the compulsory buff of several hours therein, rendered him insensible, so that he did not know when or where he drifted ashore and was found. His first recollection was of being in the woods among woodchoppers, who had rescued him, put him before a fire, and brought him to life again, only to find his money and his memory gone. Having identified him, the two gentlemen returned to Indianapolis. From there they sent to Muncie, and had Mrs. Boswell arrested upon a charge of perjury and attempt to defraud. This arrest came upon the Muncie people like a thunderbolt, Mrs. Boswell for three years had lived an irreproachable life as a widow among them. No breath of suspicion had stirred the quiet waters. Mrs. Boswell's counsel, having read the charges under which she was arrested, went to her and asked her to tell them the truth, the whole truth, that they might know what they must do in her defence without a change of colour or a quiver of her lips or eyes she called on god to witness that if her husband was alive she did not know it that she had not seen him or heard a word from him since he fell into the river on that fatal night and that no money which the world contained could have tempted her to live so long away from him so thoroughly was the sympathy of the people with her and so suspicious did the alleged discovery of the living boswell appear especially as it was made just before the cause of mrs boswell versus the franklin life was to be tried and as it was not verified by the production of boswell's person that it was with difficulty the prosecutors succeeded in having mrs boswell bound over at her preliminary examination she was bound over however and in default of surety went to jail meanwhile the railway passengers assurance company was advised of the materialisation of the drowned boswell and they at once sent a representative to Indianapolis. After consultation with the officers of the Franklin Life, he went directly to Galesburg, only to find that Judge Howey had moved. Between two days he had been driven in a buggy to a station on the CB&Q Rye, and had gone south. He had left behind him a trunk as security for a loan of two hundred dollars. This trunk was searched and was found to contain several interesting relics. There were photographic pictures of Boswell and of his wife, books on masonry, masonic regalia, etc., etc. There were also letters and other papers which fully established not only the identity of the parties, but conclusively showed the guilt of Mrs. Boswell. One of these papers was a receipt dated three days after the alleged drowning, and when Mrs. B. was in St. Louis, after her trip up and down the river. It read as follows. St. Louis, September twenty-five, eighteen seventy-one. 1871. Received of I. S. Howey forty dollars for a lot of second-hand clothing and books belonging to my late husband, lost of the steamer St. Luke, on the Missouri River, September twenty-second, 1871. Signed M. V. Boswell. It thus appeared that Boswell had left the steamer after changing a portion of his dress in his stateroom, having a change at hand in the small trunk they had brought with them for the purpose. He had gone ashore unobserved before the steamer started, and remained in St. Louis until his wife's return, when she met him as per agreement, delivered to him his clothing left on board, and he at the same time took from her the foregoing receipt, so that in the event of his being caught with his own clothes on, or while reading one of his own books, he could prove by this receipt that he bought the clothes and books of mrs boswell who in her kindness went so far as to certify they were property of her late husband who had been lost of a certain steamer in a certain river at a certain date exceedingly attenuated from the correspondence found in this trunk it was ascertained that boswell and his wife had been in frequent communication her letters to him were addressed as though written to her niece ida and signed your aunt mary one of these letters reads as follows but requires a word of explanation to be understood it is undisguisedly in mrs boswell's handwriting and written to her husband from fort wayne indiana allusion is made to one of mrs boswell's attorneys and his wish that she should go to Zenia to take as the position for use in the suit against the franklin line boswell's letter in reply was to be sent to Zenia. Thus, to avoid the possible recognition of his handwriting by the Munsey postmaster, the letter is herewith produced verbatim. Fort Wayne, April seventeenth, 1874. My dear niece Ida, I am here yet. Hope this will find you well. I just received a letter from Buckles telling me to come on and go to Zenia to take John's deposition. I will be here today or tomorrow. You write me at Zenia. I will, if nothing happens, I will be there by Wednesday next. I have been waiting for money. I hope to get it all right. If I only had plenty here, I could get along, but hope I will get all right before long. I hope to get through, then I will see you just as soon as I can. Hope this will find you in good health. This leaves in good health. I hope to have all things right yet. I live in hopes if I die in despair. Do take good care of your health till I see you. Keep in as close as you can till you get through with my medicine. Then you will be all right, I hope. I got those presents. I was glad to get them. Hope you have my letters in this time. I'm in a hurry. I will write when I get there. I will close. Much love to all, and plenty to your dear self. May God be with you, and bless you, is my prayer. Take good care of your health. I will direct this to you, so you sign your full name, Ida then it will be right then if it should be there are a few illegible words here it would be sent back to you write to zenya i will be there soon good-bye till you hear again your aunt mary with the pictures of mrs boswell found in the trunk it was easily ascertained that she had visited her husband in galesberg boarding for two or three weeks at a time in the same house with him and passing herself off as his niece the rest of the story is soon told. The proof was so conclusive against Mrs. Boswell that when her trial came on, her attorneys admitted the facts as claimed by the prosecution, and she received the sentence of the court for her crimes. Boswell, alias Howey, after a long chase was captured in northern Michigan, taken to Muncie, July 1st, 1874, where he was recognized by everyone who saw him, and thence taken to Indianapolis, and lodged in jail his trial was delayed several months through the efforts of his attorneys and at last broken in health and wrecked in reputation he was released on bail he finally escaped further punishment through a legal technicality on the ground that a man and wife could not conspire and rejoined his wife who had served out her term of imprisonment they have gone forth without money health friends or reputation and are left to meditate upon the results of their attempt to defraud the insurance companies. They suffered prolonged separations from each other, privations and hardships of no light degree, imprisonment and disgrace. They lost all that is worth having in this life, and are able to offset these fearful facts with a knowledge of having realized, for all this, a little more than 400 of the insurance company's money. End of section 13